late night logic. They're running the whole show. <laughs> With Sean Keenan. Hi, I'm Sean Keenan, and I am broadcasting for the first time both on YouTube and on Anchor. So if you're listening to this from Spotify, then I'm actually also recording myself on YouTube. So you can watch the exact same thing on YouTube and actually see kind of gestures that I do when I'm, um, when I'm talking. Uh, welcome to Series 3. I am Sean Keenan, and um, yeah, don't really have that much to say still. But there was something that um, came to mind um, just like over the last week. I'm, I'm going to be so obsessed with looking at myself in the camera. There's really, there's no need to look at me on YouTube. This is really, there's not, I'm not going to be doing anything special. I'm just going to be doing my hair and flinging around and having a good time. So um, I was going to do a podcast on uh, Quentin Tarantino films. I was going to discuss that and uh, tell why I appreciated him and also didn't like him. Well, I, I like him. I just mean I, I just wanted to pick out some, point out some critiques and whatever. But, um, you know, other things sort of come up. And one of those things that came up recently was I wanted to talk about my best friend, Brody Milne, which I've been threatening to do for quite some time now and never gotten around to it. Um, and uh, and um, and also talk about my favourite band of all time, Blur, and how we how that sort of ties in with Brody. Uh, I kind of don't like necessarily talking about this because it's like really my deepest secrets. If he was to listen to this, he might, you know, he might say, oh, man, I didn't realise you were thinking of it like that. So um, I'm going to discuss Blur, and then we're going to link it to Brody. So, yeah. So welcome to Season 3, Episode 1. Today's topic is Blur and Brody. And I'm going to stop looking at myself in the mirror and just look up at the camera. Blur and Brody. So uh, years and years ago, so I, I think I, I mentioned in an early season that the reason why I got into Blur was because I remember it was early 2004, and I was watching Music Max, and um, Song 2 by Blur came on. Woohoo! Mate, what a great song. I was right into that period where I wanted to get out of what I was listening to, which was Gary Newman and Phil Collins. Mate, they are the definition of, um, you know, uh, old shit music. Maybe not Gary Newman so much, but he's very, very niche. And Phil Collins, very, very much is so. No, one, no one's walking around being cool, liking Phil Collins. Sort of thing. So, um, and, you know, I wasted my youth. I didn't like cars. I was just a loser. I, I didn't realise how much of a – this isn't to say I wasn't a good person or anything. It's just that I, I was very, very sheltered or somehow, I don't know, something. Just uncool. Um Low social skills, didn't know how to get a girlfriend or anything, still don't. And, um, yeah, so uh, going into 2004, leaving high school, it's like you wanted to find your own direction. And, um, you know, Song 2, if you look at the film clip, um, it's a really cool film clip. And uh, I quite like it. It's quite good. We're quite, quite proud. Um, and so... Um, Yeah, I liked it. I really liked it. The frontman was a really good-looking guy, and uh, I wanted to model myself on what he looked like, okay? 
So um, after a while, but not just yet, I just really like the song. It was like a really hard rocking song. Really, it was a good song. Only two minutes as well. It was just like, uh, it was like pure 90s indie rock. And um, I remember I was at work one day and a song called Clint Eastwood by Gorillaz came on the radio. And I, at the time, I was really into songs that sort of, they had their segment, but then for the last three minutes of the song or whatever, they'd only they'd just repeat like something. Like think of um, Staying Alive by the Bee Gees, how it has this long protracted outro. And um, yeah, I kind of like that. I like just something just on repeat. I, I like that kind of stuff. And Clint Eastwood, I remember I, I went out, for, I did a car service and I came back and the song was still going. I recognised the beat. The beat was still going. I thought, wait, this is... I, and I recognised the song. So I thought, yeah, that sounds cool. And I recognised the song because Milno Brody had played this song back in 2001. I remember seeing it on some music show and I didn't like the song then. But Milno thought it was cool. He bought the album. Didn't like it. Um, and uh, so I, I heard this song, Clint Eastwood, and I thought, you know what, that, that chorus line is kind of not too bad. I ain't happy, I'm feeling black as sunshine, in a bag I'm useless. So that was kind of good, quite good, quite proud. And um, and uh, it had rap in there as well, and it had that protracted outro. So I know all the rap pieces now. Um, finally, someone let me out of my cage. Now, time for me is not the hard I look so uncool. This hair is just not, it's not cutting the mustard. Fuck, I don't know what this would work. So anyway, um, so, um, yeah, I, uh, I liked it. So I, I, I put two and two together and, um, I realized that, the guy who sung song two was also the same guy who sung Clint Eastwood. So one and the same. Gorillaz was a side project to Blur. Blur were the big band and Gorillaz were a side project, a side project that actually got big. Um, and Blur, I, I found out that Blur were actually a big band in Britain. Actually, they were one of the most significant bands of the 90s in Britain. Less so outside of Britain, but... Um, in Britain in the mid-90s, they vied for the top spot with Oasis and there was a huge battle of Britpop in the, the mid-90s for the number one spot. So we're talking, this guy, Damon Albarn, is a pop culture icon. So not only was he really good looking, but he also had a really fucking cool necklace and uh, he was a, um, you know, he was a, a true, true artist. So... Um, Naturally, I took a liking to it. So I listened to a couple of the songs. See, the thing is, I remember, uh, sorry, I was listening to song two and I slowly got into it. I remember seeing a couple of their other songs on Music Max, which was a pay TV channel at the time. And the song Country House was playing. And this song was shit. <laughs> like, you know, to someone who'd never heard it before, this was, I thought, I thought Blur were a cool band. Like, even the name Blur, it sounds like an indie band sort of thing, especially what you think when you when you heard the song, song two. But, you know, this, there was bra, they had a brass section, they were do, 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 and it just was like, I mean, he's still a good looking guy, but I thought, whoa, what the hell's going on here? This is not what I would expect a band called Blur to do. Country House, even though, look, it actually did turn out to be a bit of a silly single, but 
Um, I quite like the song now, obviously. Uh, and that was the song that battled for Oasis for the number one spot in August 1995. And it actually won. So Blur won the Battle of Britpop, at least initially. The Battle of Britpop is a really cool idea because it was Oasis who were the biggest, who were trying to vie to become the biggest band in Britain. Uh, Blur had already established themselves with 1994's Park Life. And the follow-up album, 1995's The Great Escape, vied for that position of number one with Oasis's um, What's the Story, Morning Glory. And they were having a chart battle between the song Roll With It and Country House, Blur One. Uh, but the truth was Oasis were the working-class northerners and Blur were the artsy-fancy guys from the south, from the London area. So they were never truly authentic. Anyway, I could go on to that, to the nines. It's not really what I'm meant to be talking about here um what i want to say is that blur became just everything to me damon Albarn became everything to me now that was i said 2004 right in 2005 was the release of gorillas's biggest album demon days and this album contained the hits you know feel good ink and dare and um it was like Damon Albarn finally going global. See, Blur never cracked the American market. Song 2 was a worldwide hit, not necessarily in the singles charts, but it was everyone, and everyone knows the song, right? Um, but Blur themselves were never really huge outside the UK and certainly never cracked America. The album, um, 1997's Blur album, which is just self-titled Blur, had Song 2 on it, and that album finally allowed them to go gold in the United States. But that's only 500,000 copies and only peaked at number 61. I say only 500,000. It's half decent, but, you know, it's not, you know, it's not, it wasn't a huge hit album sort of thing. And uh, that was as big as they ever made it in America. But I like that. I kind of like bands that are sort of big but not too big. I like something, I don't know, I, could, I, don't, I don't know how to exactly describe it. Um, like take, for example, John Lennon and Elvis. Presley. Well, Elvis Presley is obviously bigger than John Lennon. Everyone knows Elvis is the man. But John Lennon was one part of the biggest band. And even though he wasn't omnipresent in the band, he was kind of the de facto leader. So in a sense, he's actually bigger than Elvis. Or put, put, it, put it this way. So I've said this before. My favorite, Almost my favourite song of all time is a song called Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. Now, there's an argument that you could put forward to say that's the greatest Beatles song of all time. Now, how do you figure that, Sean? Well, I would say that the album that comes from is called Revolver. Revolver is often hailed as the greatest Beatles album. And what's the best track on Revolver? Usually it's a toss-up between Eleanor Rigby and Tomorrow Never Knows. Usually Tomorrow Never Knows wins. So by default, Tomorrow Never Knows wins. It's sort of like that. So Tomorrow Never Knows, but it's not. It's clearly not the best Beatles song. It's not even anywhere near uh, the most well-known Beatles song. But I like it from this kind of perspective. It can be huge. So that's what Blur were to me, and especially with Gorillaz. Damon Albarn had suddenly, he was big with Blur, but only in the UK. And then under the guise of Gorillaz, like a blank slate, no one knew it was him, Gorillaz became this huge thing. Um, it went double platinum, platinum in America. He finally had an American hit. At the age of 37, and um, this month, anyway, <laughs> um, I, um, I like that. He was a blank, you know, no one knew it was him, but I did know. And Demon Days was just this fucking brilliant album. To this day, it's, it's my favourite album of all time. It doesn't necessarily have 
I mean, it's a bit of a funny sounding album in a sense when you hear some of the um, the instrumentations in there. You think, oh, it sounds a little. But it is cool. I like it. And um, it doesn't necessarily have hit after hit, but all the songs work so beautifully. And it conjures up this kind of feeling. It, see, this is the thing about albums. Listening to an individual song is great and all, but listening to an album, it, it puts you into a zone. It puts you into an experience. So I remember it was 2006 and I was driving down to Adelaide. I wasn't driving. I was in a bus going down to Adelaide. And I remember I was listening to Demon Days in the car, my headphones on the way down. And like the bus down to Adelaide, um, it, um, it, it, it departed at 1 a.m. And um, it would arrive in Adelaide around 7 sort of thing. So I couldn't go to sleep. So you're driving. So I was looking out the window. It's like 3 a.m. And you're listening to Demon Days. And it's this really haunting, brilliant, brooding kind of sound. And also, this is the first time you've ever listened to your parents and you you know, you're um, you're going out alone for the first time. So, you know, I was going to stay with a friend down in Adelaide and um, eventually go up and see Brody in Townsville. So it was my first Townsville trip. And, um, yeah, that, that album is just hypnotic. But anyway, I'm, I'm just building this up because there's something that happened. So that was the prelude. So that's why Damon Albarn became this, uh, excuse me, some godlike figure. Um, but here's the thing, and, and it was good. Like it was, he finally got there in the nick of time. He was still a young man, just he was, he was 37, and finally he cracks it big in the US. He was sort of by this point over the partying days, like the Britpop days were the big party days, the mid 90s. He was an icon of the mid 90s. But by the mid 90s, by 2005, he's now he's got a kid. Uh, he's been with his missus for years. Um, he's much more about the music now, and. You can still tell he's relatively young, but it's like, yeah, 37 is starting to show through a little bit. And it was like, you finally made it through. And, in fact, that was the last peak. That was the last peak. After that, so he hadn't been able to put a foot wrong. His whole career, going from 91 to 2005, is just one awesome slow burn to the top, basically. Um, you know, finally achieving worldwide success with gorillas. But after 2005, I remember I read an article where he was—he just said, well, I've made it now. I, I, I finally did it, and I'm not interested in, you know, the big pop successes anymore. And, and this is me being 20, 21, um, you know, looking for a guiding light, an icon to enjoy music going into the future. And he never really ever conquered ever again. Gorillaz... Well, Gorillaz actually got more and more disappointing. He got more and more disappointing. Um, the next Gorillaz album came out in 2010. It was called Plastic Beach. Now, if I say the songs that were released from that, you say, huh? Eh? Eh? The songs were Stylo, Superfast Jellyfish, On Melancholy Hill. Mate, they're pretty good songs. Pretty good. The album's pretty good. But it was a huge letdown. It was almost, you know, it. It peaked at number two in the US. It was like, I thought, yep, they're a known band now. They should be out. Alban should get his first number one in America now. Peaked at number two. Peaked at number two in the UK. Didn't even hit number one in the UK. And it didn't have huge chart success. It it was a, oh, of course, it was a success. But it didn't go gold in America this time. And it only went platinum in the, U, U, uh, in the UK. The last album went six times platinum. Uh, and it didn't, you know, it didn't infiltrate pop culture. And even in late 2010, Alban just released a song which was part of Gorillaz but not actually 
on the album. And he just said, I wrote this song called Don Dramatic because I just wasn't in the charts anymore. I just wanted to have a chart hit. I remember hearing the song before it was released and thinking, this is going to go to number one. This is going to be the Christmas number one. And it peaked at number 37. And essentially that's the end of Albarn. If I'm really taking Albarn's peak years, it's really technically, say, 1990 to 2005. But we'll extend it to 10 years, uh, to 20 years, because 1990 to 2010, you get that last Gorillaz album in there. And you get Blur, who reunited. They, they ended in 2003. They reunited um, and released a song called Fool's Day. I, I highly recommend you listen to that. It's an excellent song. Um, as a record still released in April of 2010. Fool's Day, it was called. And it was sort of like after years of not doing anything, it was like, hey, guys, we can still create a pretty good tune. So, But then after that, he just he got more and more middle-aged. He was no longer... You know, he'd faded. Like, at least in Demon days, like the first time I got into Damon Albarn, I remember I was looking up pictures of him. Fuck, this guy looks fucking awesome. He looks cool. Every angle he looks cool. He's got this fucking cool necklace. I modeled my neck my necklace after him. I don't have it on now, but I've got it here. This is what it looks like. Giving it a hiatus at the moment. You know, I modeled that on him. So I've had that necklace since 2000 and, uh 2009, so it's got a fair bit of history in it now. Um, yeah, um, yeah. Let me like go back through my Facebook pictures on profile pictures, all the way back to 2009. Yeah, there it is. Not the same beads. They they swap and shift, and I change them around and whatever. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, yeah, he couldn't put a foot wrong, and then. Like, by 2005, Demon Days comes out, and he's, like, a more weathered look. He's not middle-aged. He's only 37. But he's got this older look. You'd naturally – this is – and I've, I've always been interested in people ageing. There's always a – like, you see them young, and then you see them a bit older and a bit older. I mean, even Albert Einstein. If you look at Albert Einstein's photos, there's old Albert Einstein. But then there's younger, and then there's middle-aged. It's all over the shop. I'm, I'm always constantly interested in how people look at certain times in their life. Albarn is very interesting until about the age of – 40. After that, he sort of becomes this different style of version of himself. So that, I, I remember part of the appeal getting into him as well was, wow, he still wears this necklace to this day. But actually what had happened was in 2003, um, like if you watch Blur film clips, there it is, that necklace is present all the way from the early days all the way through to the last Blur album in 2003 at the time. And um, and they've only released one more since then, 2015, but we'll get to that. Um, so what had happened was the necklace got ripped off. And you can if you type in Damon Albarn angry on YouTube, that's him getting angry at his necklace being torn off. And I have been trying to find out for years what happened. There's not really any answer. The closest I ever got was his bodyguard's wife saying that, yeah, Damon no longer wears his, but he, and he gave some of the beads away. And whatever. So, um, you know... A more modern-day album, when, when Blur got back together after breaking up um, in 2009 did their shows, it's like now it's a 41-year-old Damon Albarn coming on the stage, no necklace, wearing middle-aged clothing. Not necessarily bad, but it was like it's a different look. Now, whereas every single camera angle of him looked good, now he's got a fatter face or whatever. It's just it, it's not as cool to me anyway. 
Uh, I know a friend of mine in Scotland said, nah, she prefers him now. She's not really a big, doesn't think he's that good looking, but said that, yeah, no, nah, he looks better now. I said, fuck, you're an idiot. Anyway, so um, there was this gradual fadeaway. But the thing is, the fadeaway didn't really go too badly until about um, 2017. 2017 was really when it dropped. Okay, so what happened after that? So Gorillaz didn't release another album in 2010. It was a big hit with me and Brody, but it wasn't a big hit elsewhere. It was it had represented Townsville to me now. When I listen to that Plastic Beach album, I don't feel the awe of Demon Days of 2005. I feel disappointment. This was not the all-conquering album that you kind of hope it's going to be. It was a it was a disappointing album, all up. And the production on it is he produced, self-produced it, so um, it's too long. And there's some fucking terrible songs in there. There's some great songs in there. Some of my all-time favourite Gorilla songs, but there's some fucking terrible songs. And um, after that, you know, you've got not much. And he's a middle-aged man. And, like, in 2012, I was going out with Kelsey and Blur. Were, they were back and they played at the Olympics. And uh, they released a couple of songs. And it was it was, they were middle-aged songs. They they sounded like a lot of people really praised them, but they didn't get played on Triple J. I think Under the Westway got played once on Triple J. It was like you really picked picked the wrong band. Sure, you picked them at the right time, and now they're sort of they've moved on into this next phase of life, sort of thing. And whereas I needed something fresh and young, uh, you know, I'm watching a band old. So you know that's what happens when you catch a band late. Uh, anyway, it was constantly disappointing. And then Blur released The Magic Whip in 2015, their first album in 12 years. And it did okay, you know. It, but, you know, again, not an all-conquering thing. And whereas Demon Days populated that year, when I think of Demon Days, it is 2005 and 2006. When I listened to The Magic Whip, which I did just before recording this, uh, mate, The Magic Whip, it was good getting back into it. But, that, again, that's the story I'm getting into at the end. Um, when the Magic Whip was released, it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't populate all of 2015. And how could it? Like, you couldn't, like, back in 20, 2005, you could at least talk to people in the streets, hey, this Gorillaz, this Demon Days uh, album's really good. You know Feel Good Inc.? Mate, that, Song 2, there's the link. That's the same guy. And, um, you know, the album's good. It's sort of, you felt a sense of community somehow. With the Magic Whip, though, you know, it peaked at number five in Australia, but let's be honest, that's like 6,000 people buying the album for one week and then it dropped down to number 20 and then it was off the charts. You you wouldn't say to anyone, you couldn't go to people at work and say, hey, blur, the magic whip. It's a, it, it wasn't all-encompassing sort of thing. So I sort of just dismissed the album. It was a pretty decent album, I remember, but nothing spectacular. Like right from the lead single go out, they did not try to... This was not a big comeback album. This was an artistic band um, coming together, not for the profits sort of thing. This is doing it on our terms sort of thing. Anyway, that's the whole background there. Brody Milne is my best friend of all time. But he, like the Simpsons, has it sort of gone on. People might say the Simpsons have gone on too long. I used to sometimes think of Brody in that sense, like. Uh, it was a slow decline of The Simpsons. It was a great show once upon a time, and now it's a completely different thing. Milno's got kids. He's married. Um, it's a completely different situation. And I have grown up, and I've become a little bit more 
I've come out of Michelle and gotten interested in, you know, all sorts of different things. You know, if, if anything, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretentious asshole. Not really. I'm, I like artsy things, though. I really do. And um, that's not what Milner is. Milner is more the base desires. I remember Milner came over a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, mate, Ethan, my Ethan, the guy who actually owns this house that I'm renting from him, he said, mate, Ethan, you know, appeals to your more artistic side, your more, uh, um, more uh, sophisticated side. And I appeal to the more the base desires and whatever. But the thing is, Ethan can cover both of those easily. So what does Milner have to offer? Well, I guess over the last few years, less and less. Hear me out, though. Um, Gorillaz released an album in 2017. So this is their first album since 2010. And I was in a shit time of life. The whole 2010s was a fucking terrible decade. There's, you know, no girlfriend, no people coming out drinking, nothing, you know, your life's not moving forward. Like, whereas when you're 20 or... Back in 2005, things were moving forward. Things were happening. And they just stagnated for years. Um, and so um, 2017 came and Gorillaz were releasing a new album. And I was, oh, obviously, I mean, you're still in that excited phase. Like, yeah, they kind of need something to bang back with sort of thing. They've had a few years off now. The first single was released. And I remember Triple J listeners weren't really that impressed, actually. I thought, oh, that's not so good. And then Humans was dropped. Now, one of the songs on it, We Got the Power, is pretty good. But there's a song called Satin's Bards. Mate, who's ever heard of that song? It was terrible. Some people will like it. Pop Cam was on it, whoever that is. It basically was Damon Albarn just picking out a whole bunch of people who were minorly successful over the last decade and just joining them onto it. And it was basically an anti-Trump record, although he, he bleeped out all references to Trump that they put in there. He said it was for a party for the end of the world sort of thing. And that's why We Got the Powers, this perfect final note. And he got Noel Gallagher of Oasis to sing on it with him. So the two enemies were coming together and singing the song called We Got the Power. We got the power to be loving each other no matter what happens. It's like a disco with a big booming thing. Um, it's the only good song on the album for me, though, and the album did not do anything. Unlike even Plastic Beach, it sold even less, um, did not become a pop culture icon, and, you know, Damon Albarn's 49 by this point. Like, what's sexy about 49? Um, and uh, the album cover was shit. The album cover was literally, like, Demon Days is... It looks like the cover art for um, Let It Be. Well, this new album, Humans 2017, now looked like it was parodying Demon Days. It's just, it's shit. And with terrible songs and didn't sell. And then he released another album the next year, follow-up year, because they got a tour going and he wanted to keep touring basically for another year into 2018. So he wrote... So whereas Humans had a huge ton of guest stars on it, the follow-up called The Now Now, The Now Now, that's a shit name. Humans is a shit name. Humans with a Z, by the way. Uh, the Now Now didn't feature any guests. And I remember getting halfway through the track listing. and I actually, I didn't listen to it anymore. I thought, he's gone. Damon Albarn has turned to shit. 
even his solo album 2014, I'm not really interested in. It was like I remember the ads for it and, you know, it, it said, you know, the person who brought you Blur and Gorillaz now is going solo for the first time. And it's a real – it's not that album. It's a very personal album talking about his own life experiences. That's what he said a, um, a solo album would be. So this isn't him trying to be anything with chart success or anything like that. So the album is a very sombre listening. It's not terrible, but it's not something a young man trying to, you know, have party anthems is, is going to have. And um, at a bad time in life, that's what I kind of needed. Anyway, um, and then there was uh, another album that came out in 2020 for Gorillaz called Sound Song Machine which was a, another interesting collaboration of basically it was during the pandemic. Um, he just randomly throughout the year collaborated with this person, collaborated with that person, collaborated with that person, collaborated with that person. And then at the end of the year, just mashed it all and put it into an album. And it was the best, their best album in years, a lot of people said. True, no chart success whatsoever. I mean, it's still charted like number five in the UK, maybe top 10 in America, but it drops out completely soon. I mean, who's heard of Song Machine, let's be honest. So Alban has completely fallen away and I fell out of love completely. So I got into, um, you know, after a while it's like I need to move on and I was finally started getting into Radiohead, which has been terrific. Kid A, OK Computer, in rainbows. Mate, it's beautiful. They're, they're really something. And it makes you realise that whilst Blur were good, there's a reason why Radiohead are considered really good right up there. So I... Um, I, uh, I really got into Radiohead. And then in the last couple of days, something, last couple of days, yeah, maybe that, even a week, um, something happened where I, I, um, I don't know what made me do this. I'm trying to think now. But Blur just came back to me. I was, I'm a bit of a weirdo. I, 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 I do things like this. You can't see it if you're listening to the podcast, but I, I write down years. I like the way that looks. I'm a little bit OCD or something like that. And so I'm writing down Radiohead things. And I used to do this for Blur all the time. And I, I don't know, I must have started doing it again last week. And, um, well, yeah, this feels weird writing down Blur albums. And um, I don't know, the, something just sort of come over me, like, so I said Demon Days, it created this sort of um, this world that you inhabit, right? Um, Blur did the same thing for me. My favourite memory virtually in my life is going down to Adelaide and discovering this band Blur. So I went into a music store and I bought their Greatest Hits album, not knowing any songs on there. So, you know, okay, so I knew song two and I knew, knew this song Park Life and Country House. So it was list interesting listening to, like, the songs. And I remember playing it at Shane Nackles. This is it. It's all about culture. I've always loved it, even from a young age, without even recognising it. I loved being in Adelaide. There was this kind of feeling about being in the big city. Um, and I got my friend Shane to put on this Best of Blur. And neither of you knew any of the songs, so, you know, you'd hear it on the background. I remember Shane coming to me sometime. He said, hey, we're listening to gospel music. And now I know which song he's talking about. He's clearly talking about Tender. But once you get into it, you realise these songs are really great. Blur are a really terrific band. Anyway, um, and I like the imagery that they sort of had. I liked uh, looking through their artworks and the 
pictures of the band. I mean, they were a cool fucking band. They looked fucking cool. Um, and it was nice knowing it, like, when I got into it 2005, 2006, it's like you sort of, he's still sort of young. It's like he's a bit older, though. It's like he's really good looking there. He's a little bit older now, but he's still, he's still cool. He's just gone into this phase sort of thing. And over the years, obviously, he just turned into middle age and turned shit. But it was cool being not quite new. Again, this is, I like the idea of not quite being the new band. They were a bit of an older band. They were a 90s band. But, again, the 90s were only, like, 10 years ago at this point. So it was, um, you know, it was still kind of reasonably new. But it was kind of a little bit different. You wouldn't, you'd say to people, you know, that you worked with or, or, or friends of your sort of thing that you, it became cool to like things that were a little bit older. So, like, it's always going to be cool to like Nirvana sort of thing. This is what it was for me and Blur. Um, and so, you know, Things came to me, like flashes came to me, and it was really it made you feel good. And, um, you know, I remember being in Adelaide and I had bought all Blur albums. I was really looking forward to getting into it. Um, and what has happened over the years is that sort of dissipated. And, you know, like I'm never going to buy the album Humans and open it up and look at the artwork. I'm like, fuck that shit. Um, that's not going to make you feel good. This is just a middle-aged shit music which doesn't chart, that no one talks about. Um, but um, just recently, though, over the last week, something happened. And I thought, like, I, I need to listen to things that are kind of modern so I can feel like I'm part of the modern world. But so many people don't do that. There's nothing like some kids, you know, they'll surprise you and say, yeah, man, I listen to Pink Floyd. It's like, Ooh, okay. Or they'll say that they listen to Radiohead or something like that. And that's clearly not in the charts, that kind of stuff. That's not that's not modern stuff right now. Um, there's nothing wrong with, you know, listening to older stuff. Like all those things that happened with me and Blur, that existed, man. That that happened. And those feelings are no they're not invalid, sort of thing. I thought, yeah, okay. So he's shit now. So his music has gone off a little bit. I, I mean, I say shit. It's just oh, it's middle-aged music. He's moved on to the next phase of his life sort of thing. Um, it's like, you know, Pink Floyd didn't stay great forever. Very few bands will go on and be great forever sort of thing. You know, you move on sort of thing. And what's left is that legacy. It's just, you know, that's it. That's what you did in that particular time, and that's what it is. So I started thinking of Blur in this sense again. So for me, it was like everything, like I, I was there during it as it was happening. So it was like, oh, I hope Albarn's able to keep on going into his 40s and 50s. I mean, you've got gorillas. I mean, you don't, no one has to see you getting old. They, they just see the cartoon sort of thing. And I thought, mate, you'll be able to keep going on from that. But um, no, he, the music changed, hence gorillas went downhill, even though the animation stayed great and whatever. And so... Um, I had I just came to accept recently that no, that's what it was. That's what Blur is, and that's all there's going to be, pretty much. They released their last album in 2015, their eighth album. I hope they don't release anything else. Honestly to God, I think that's a nice swan song. The band finally got back together to release that last album. It's not one of the greatest albums of all time, but it's a good listen. I just listened to it, and it, it's a good listen. Um, and you know what? Gorillaz... Let them go off, do their own thing. They're, they're always going to have fans. Uh, all the big hits still stand, all those great albums at the beginning. 
um, they still stand. You just have to sort of draw a line a little bit. Like some people say that they like a, a band, but oh yeah, I don't like them after this period or whatever. So I came to, I've been going full circle, so it's been nice to sort of revisit uh, things that made me feel good in the past and just remember who I am as my own identity sort of thing. You know, you don't have to have this sense of community all the time and try and listen to the newest trends and listen to Triple J and listen to these shitty songs, new songs and whatever. You can be whoever you want to be, Sean. And, uh, you know, it's a mental thing that you've got to get over. Anyway, now comparing this to Brody Milne. So how's this compare? So there was a decline from there, and I'm going to be honest. Um, and it happened as soon as I got to Townsville. Priscilla found out something about me, and I didn't want to tell Brody about it. I was very nervous about it. And he accepts it now, obviously. But we stopped talking five months because I, I lied to him. I said I didn't want to reveal to him what, what this thing was. And... We stopped talking for five months, and then the comeback came through. Five months later, Milno messaged me, or he gave me a phone call one night, and um, yeah, it was it was good. We became friends again, but there was a damaged moment, and he went out with Priscilla. And see, this is why Plastic Beach so sums up twenty ten, a subpar album. I mean, you go from Broken Hill and all the cool ideas of Townsville, how cool Townsville can be, and this is what it is. Like, where's the new people that I thought I was going to meet? And where's the acting I thought I was going to do? I don't know. 2008, the whole world's in front of you. You're looking forward to it. You're living with your parents and you're looking forward to escaping. And then in 2010, you've got this subpar album, Plastic Beach, to represent the year. And um, I don't know. It's just sort of... See, Milno represents pre-2004. He left when when just before I went through the huge revolution of you know, the, the mid-noughties, when I became who I am, where I started to like cars. Well, when I became cool, I started to like the Ford Mustang. I liked blue. I liked more artsy stuff. And uh, I became my own person. And Milner sort of preceded that. He was from that 99 to 03 era. And I wasn't really that person anymore. Well, I was. It's like, mate, and we're still friends, obviously. We were still friends then. But... There was just sort of something amiss. And ever since then, things didn't really actually get better. They just sort of stayed at a certain level and they haven't really exploded. And don't get me wrong, there's been some damn good times in there as well. But there's also been this kind of, um, kind of uh, growing distance you know i became friends with paul and then i become friends with ethan and um you know milno was always the best friend but he was sort of a little bit more in the background like the simpsons reference is a good one because it's like the simpsons is still on tv but no one watches it anymore and um it's not as good as it used to be sort of thing but the thing for me is So I was waiting for a moment when either Milner completely collapses or he makes a huge, huge comeback. Blur did not make a huge, huge comeback. They made something that they wanted to do for themselves and went from there. And just lately, and I hung up with Milner today, and it's sort of like an acceptance of this is who you are, this is who I am, and I love being this kind of person around you as well. I still love this, even though it's not all that I am anymore. 
Um, and I still love you, despite, you know, there's some more shittier jokes in there and there's, it's uh, not as necessarily stimulating as a conversation with Ethan per se. But you know what? You, you get what you get with Milner and you can hang I can hang around that all the time. He's the kind of bloke where you can literally put your arm around him and watch the UFC and you can leave your arm around him sort of thing. It's like he's the big teddy bear. He's literally your brother sort of thing. I wouldn't touch Ethan. I wouldn't put my arm around Ethan. God, no. Just different things. Milno is that for me. Um, so that was kind of a big piece to fall in. So with Blur sort of making that full circle, like me coming to accept Damon Albarn for what it is and that those things still exist. Park Life, 13, Modern Life is Rubbish, Song 2, they all still exist. Um, and they are for that time. There's not going to be anything great added to that. But you know what? That's okay. This is what that is. In Milno's case, there's not going to be a great comeback where he suddenly becomes this, uh, a revolution happens and he's he's part of that sort of thing. That's not going to happen anymore. He's part of a long, long, he's too much of a veteran to become a, you know, a revolutionary. But I love him for a completely different reason. And it, it is good when you discover that again. It's good when that boom, hits you again. And it's been really good. And you sort of almost go through a little phase where you want to, Tell him that you love him so much. And we do. Every now and again, a message will come through, and it's just like a confirmation. I still love you, mate. And that's nice to hear because not many people love me, and um, especially as oh, I get more and more quirky and my, up my own alley sort of thing as time goes by, it's nice that Norna sort of still sticks around with us. It's really, really nice. So, uh, Brody, I was going to, I really wanted to tell the full story of Brody Milne throughout the years, but. I kind of just wanted to say that instead. There's no need for you to know about the whole history of Brodium, and you can just tell that we've been friends for a long time. I mean, there's pictures of us going back as far as, like, 1993, 1994. We, we are really, really long, long-time friends. And, um, yeah, I, I love him. I need him. He's, he's essential, utterly, utterly essential. Uh, and one last analogy I'll use for this. So um, in Blur, Damon Albarn was good friends with Graham Coxon, right? And Graham Coxon was the guitarist. So, uh, and they became friends in 1980 when, uh, when they first met, like 11, turning 12, Graham Coxon being a year younger. And, um, you know, that's how they, they sort of formed that way. Uh, Graham Coxon was friends with the bassist, who was Alex James. And he told Alex James that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, you'll love Damon Albert. You, you love Damon. Yeah, he's, he's cool. And Alex said, yeah, no, I expected, I was looking forward to meeting this Damon character because I thought, well, if he's anything like Graham Coxon, he's going to be cool. And in the Blur documentary, he just says, I couldn't have met two more different people, really. And that's kind of like me and Milner, two really really different people and yet if you saw us together you'd say yeah i see it there's there's a click there likewise with damon Albarn and graham cox and it's sort of a click musically sort of thing and you know opposites attract to a certain extent as well graham cox is this sort of um moody brooding glasses introvert damon Albarn's the good looking frontman out there sort of thing um and you know, they over years they sort of fall out, and Damon Albarn is great friends with Jamie Hewlett, who does the Gorillas um, animations and everything like that. I mean, that's that's their team. I mean, oh, I mean, of course they're going to become. And I like to think Jamie Hewlett is the equivalent sort of to Ethan 
my Ethan, right? Ethan Morano. And Brody is my Graham Coxon. Okay? Even though you might not see him for a while or you have a fight, well, me and Milner will never fight. Never fight. That will never happen. Um, or you might, won't see each other for a long time or you'll go through phases of not him not being the, the invoke person. He's always, always the rock and you always want to go back to him at some point. There's always a certain amount of excitement when Milno comes over or whatever. It doesn't really feel like it's creating anything revolutionary, whereas years ago, back in, say, 2003, we'd, we'd sit around the computer and we'd sing the song, you know, Phil Collins or Cars by Gary Newman. Um, nothing we've done over the last decade sort of feels revolutionary in that sense. Uh, but I guess that just comes with the territory as you get older, you realise that revolution is a... Well, it's a a tricky subject. It's difficult for me to talk about to say exactly. Suffice to say that even though I don't feel revolutionary in my life now, I've got a few things going on and I'm really looking forward to I, I want to, I've just got to start doing things. It still feels ridiculous to say that I'm going to become a microblader. It sounds ridiculous to me, but I guess you put one foot in front of the next and you slowly go from there. My last word is um, that I um, I was on Facebook the other day and um, I saw something pop up. It was it was for acting. It's an organisation that you send in a two-minute clip of yourself doing reading a monologue and you can win a prize, basically. I can't remember what it was like, but I thought, that's what I'll do. You can win $5,000. People from all over the country will do it. It's an international thing, actually. So I thought, you know what, that's what I'm going to do. So I wrote a little bit of a script last night, last night, over the last week, and... Um, yeah, you're going to have to learn that a fair bit tomorrow. So that's where I'm up to. I'm looking forward. That'll be a little foot in the door. i just got to start doing things and just recording and not and not caring about the idea of becoming successful or anything like that. You're just doing it for the love of it, Sean. That's all it is. Just doing it for the love of it. Let's hope that something good happens. But it's really been good to just sort of remember that it's okay, mate. It's fine. And you can branch off into to Radiohead or whatever bands you want. It's fine. But I sort of – it came at the cost of oh, – I'm more into radio. I don't want to talk about bluff. It's sort of been a reunite, just reuniting it. It's like, no, it's okay, mate. Talk about blur. Feel good about it again, Sean. Okay, and you might be thinking, Sean, who gives a fuck? Who the fuck cares? You don't know how big of a deal this is. This is why it's. I, I tried to link it in with Brody Morn. It's sort of like getting your best friend back. Or the music, it's sort of like just this little piece clicks in. Like, I feel lonely all the time and I hate the modern era that I'm in. Everything feels, it doesn't feel revolutionary. Everything is, it's stilted and stale and I'm nostalgic. Um, and, or, you know, I remember driving, so years ago I'd feel revolutionary by listening to Modern Life is Rubbish by Blur, which was their second album and their first Britpop album done before they were successful. And it didn't make them successful, this album, but it was the one that, was to give them the confidence to make Park Life, which would make them successful, right? And I would listen to Modern Life is Rubbish back in 2006, and I could hear revolution in this sort of thing. I was now listening to, I had my band, I got my band now, and I'm going to listen to this rock and music and whatever. And I tried to listen to Modern Life is Rubbish a few months ago, and I just thought, no, nah, this is fucking God. I'm, I, I don't know, I felt really sad. Like, no, this is this is too old now, or you're trying to recreate 2006 again. It just it felt so off, and I was I was done with Blur. I thought, no, Damon album, like he's gone, he's done. Like you might listen to this album, but don't forget he 
released human. He released three Gorillaz albums and they did nothing. Like he's gone. It's over, Sean. You can't get into this. Whereas in two thousand and five, you could. You could listen to Modern Life is Rubbish, and then in two thousand and five, you say, "Hey, he's still cool now." You can go and listen to Demon Days. That's on the radio right now. That's not the case anymore. So that's what I was feeling when I was driving. This is such a big thing. So just getting the idea of blow back, I thought, you know, mate, it's just like being you're the cool guy who's listening to Nirvana sort of thing or Pink Floyd. Like someone at work might say, yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I'm listening to. I don't know what's new on the radio anymore, but I'm listening to this and I can sort of butt in and say, yep, that's cool. Um, but I listen to good music. I listen to Beatles or Pink Floyd or Blur. And that's the whole point. I feel like I've got a bit of my personality back again by just embracing Blur again. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, how I'd like to finish up. It's been a really, really lovely little spot now. And uh, thanks for listening to. Season three of my podcast, Late Night Logic, episode one. Mate, I can't stop looking at myself. <laughs> look, if you're watching this, I'm looking down and stuff. I want to really look there because I look cool. Sometimes my hair looks really cool. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm constantly looking down there. Um, but other times I look shit. I can't tell. I'll look back at this at some point. So anyway, thanks for listening. Um, I'm going to be recording these from now on. I won't be recording them purely from here. I'm, it's just difficult because I've got the phone here. See, guys, this is what Anchor looks like when I'm recording on it. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be hard to be in the pool and go for a drive and whatever. But anyway, that's it. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I will record from a few different locations and whatever. I might do one while I'm drinking, watching footy. Who knows? Give me some suggestions. And also, can people start listening to this because they're still getting so low viewerships and whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll record again sometime soon. I'm thinking about doing um, something a little less personal for the next one, ranking the Quentin Tarantino films and discussing the pros and cons of all the movies uh, that he's made. So, yeah. Okay. Thanks for listening. I'm Sean Keenan. You've been listening to the Late Night Logic Podcast.